0: Everybody, welcome to the latest edition of Volley. I'm Carolyn April, and as always, I'm looking for my good buddy Seth. Seth Robinson, where are you today?
1: Hey, I'm um, I'm here. I'm back from little spring break trip. So,
0: very nice. Nice,
1: nice to get out of the house for a little while.
0: Yeah, where did you go?
1: Oh, we went to Lake Geneva. Um, I think you know where that is, but it's like just over the border in Wisconsin. A lot mm-hmm. of people go there for vacations. It was. Uh, when we first got there on Saturday, there were like a ton of people floating around, but then it was dead the whole rest of the time. Um, well, so
0: kind of like you had the place to yourself then. That's good. We did. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And it was like crazy wind the whole time. I was, I was planning on like lots of, you know, just walking around and being outside. But with that much wind, it's like exhausting to be out there. I think you said it was pretty windy by you too, right?
0: Yeah, we've had a week of wind. It's weird. Today's is um, looking out the window now is much more uh, calm. But, yeah, it made running outside nearly impossible for me. I was, like, running in place and being blown <laughs> this way. Yeah, it's ridiculous. But, yeah. yeah. Um, but I'm hoping that uh, now that we're in the month of April, it'll uh, hopefully get a little bit nicer and calm down in terms of weather. But,
1: yeah, nicer nicer days ahead. Uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to ahead, it. But, yeah, it's good to be back. Back and better yeah. than ever, right? Yes, that is.
0: I didn't get a spring break, but, you know, that's uh, – the way they decided to do things around here,
1: keep the kids in school. But yeah, well, you don't even, you don't even have kids to deal with anymore.
0: Well, uh, my college my college student didn't have a spring break. Which oh, she-
1: the, so even the college canceled spring break.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm. uh, they didn't want all those kids flying off to far flung places and getting and coming back a week later with you know, COVID infection running rampant. So it was probably a smart decision. But don't tell that to my 19 year old who's been. <laughs> complaining, nonstop,
1: nonstop.
0: So we're doing some uh, tech
1: and journalism today, right? Yeah, I I think so. Um, you know, I think that this, uh, you know, is an interesting one for both of us. You come from a world of journalism, and so you, I know you've got a lot of thoughts on this topic, and we, we've we been watching, you know, the technology industry uh, affect lots of different other industries over the past several years, and this has been a major one and you know, I think the starting point that we wanted to use here is this law that got passed in Australia. Uh, it's been about a month ago now, and it was in the news for a while, and it's faded, which is kind of interesting in and of itself. But when it was in the news, there was you know all of this discussion about like what exactly was happening and uh, what should be happening, and I found it really interesting because I felt like a lot of the things that I was reading. Missed some of the dynamics uh, that were taking place with, you know, the Internet economy here, uh, namely talking about like ad dollars. Right. And, and so the, the the gist of this law, this code that got passed was, well, the the tech companies, namely Facebook and Google, are taking away revenue from the media companies um, and they're, they're leveraging, you know, the, the media companies in order to do that. But the reality to me is that the eyeballs, you know, were going somewhere else. Uh, whether you know whether people were looking at news or not, they're looking at these sites, and so advertisers are going to them. Uh, and I, I felt like that was missing in a lot of the dialogue. And then you get this legislation uh, that if if it's kind of missing that point, then it might not be addressing the the main business model. And and now that we're talking about similar laws being passed around the world as as other countries want to try to protect their newspapers and their media outlets, uh, you know, I think it's important to try to understand what the underlying dynamics are here.
0: Yeah, it's a complicated thing. I mean, even though I came, I come from the journalism world, the business side of of things has always baffled me. And then once we went to digital, because I remember being, I was a part of the print world, and then the internet came about. And the next thing you know, I'm being asked to write stories for online. And then everybody was scrambling to figure out what the business model was going to be in order to make money there. And of course, they went to the ad model uh, first, and then social media cropped up. And that sort of, you know, blew everything um, up in terms of, you know, who is the platform, who. Uh, are these ads generate, you know, who, who, where does the ad revenue go? Should it be going to the Facebooks and the Googles or should it be going to the media companies? And if the media companies links to their, their content are going on the Facebooks and the Googles of the world, um, shouldn't the media companies benefit in some way? And I, I, I you know, I think this Australia law, I, I tried, I screwed my head around it a little bit um, to try to figure out what they were going for here. And I think, um, the the conclusion is is that media companies that will benefit would be the largest ones, um, but downstream nobody benefits in the smaller media market. So if you're a midstream, uh, you know, a mid market newspaper or uh, even really small town newspapers, they get nothing out of this at all. Um, and 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 that's I think where the where the sad part of technology and print media journalism. So to speak, um, intersect, and I, I personally have the opinion it hasn't been a good thing. Um, but you're all you're all in the business model stuff, and and, and that's that's tough for me to really get because I don't know who should be getting the ad revenue. I really don't.
1: Well, yeah, I think that that point that you bring up, uh, and, and this may be you know the last that we refer to this this specific legislation, but I think that the point that you bring up about who's getting helped by legislation like this is another. Another reason to kind of understand the overall economic picture, right? That, like, you know, the ones that have the power to do lobbying are obviously the biggest ones, uh, and you know, unless they're incredibly altruistic, you know, they're they're not going to push for laws that help everyone. They're going to push for laws that help them, and so, so you, you can get into this situation um, where, like you said, the the big guys are getting helped. Um, they're they're getting a little bit of of subsidization subsidia- Gosh, can't talk today. But um, getting a little bit of subsidy from from these tech giants, while all of the smaller you know media companies continue to flounder, and, and so the the legislation that we need, as as we're talking about more legislation and more regulation in technology, is legislation and regulation that would. Help everyone. That that would really address the the broader economy rather than a select few.
0: Yeah, agreed. I mean, I, I there is a there is a, a little part of me and a sad part of me that thinks the ship is kind of sailed on some of these smaller um, media outlets, and we are consolidating around you know the giants. And the same thing is happening in tech. So we've talked about this a lot. You know, uh, big tech, we're, we're consolidating around several platforms, we, you know, they're in the pantheon of running everything, the Googles, the Facebooks, the, you know, uh, of the world. And the same thing goes for media. Uh, the media companies that are largest, like the Times and uh, the Wall Street Journal and the Washington Post, they can afford to run a subscription model where they're making money. They don't need to rely so much on ad revenue; they still rely on it, but um, they're getting—you know—they're making good coin uh, from the subscriptions that I subscribe to. You know, this is how I get my uh, how I get my New York Times and my uh, Wall Street Journal. Uh, but if you're anything below, that line, um, you're kind of out of luck, and mm-hmm. that's what we've been seeing: is um, is, is small papers, medium sized papers, anything that isn't at the very top, um, just bleeding jobs, bleeding. But their budgets have been cut, and they're going away, and it's mm-hmm. sort of bad. But that's my little rant about journalism but
1: well, no, I don't know I think I think we might get a few more rants about journalism before we're done <laughs> Probably, here. Yeah. Uh, you you mentioned before though, like talking talking broadly about the problem now, um, you mentioned that these things are platforms and that's been part of the the, the sticking point, I guess, whenever any of these discussions are coming up is, what exactly are these things? You know, Are they news outlets? Are they something completely different? I mean, I think that we can see there's something completely different. I don't think that we can look at a Facebook or a Twitter or a Google and say, OK, we need to treat this like we treated a newspaper in the past. Um, the 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 model is completely different the the fact that you've got everyone on them makes them something different which isn't to say that they don't need any kind of legislation or regulation at all it's just that you can't apply one to the other and and i think the the argument from the these tech firms has always been we are a completely neutral platform you know we are only giving people a voice and then it will be self policing and I, I think, you know, going back to the discussion that we had with Kelly Stone on social media, I think this is one of the really big things that we've come to learn about social media is that the, the notion that it will just be self-policing is probably uh, a little bit optimistic that you can't just say we are a neutral platform and it's going to be self-policing and we have no responsibility in the matter. If you're if you're the, the creator of these platforms, Um
0: yeah, I think that's all BS, be honest. We've talked about this before, but I think it's almost analogous to, you know, the Ubers and the Lyfts of the world, um, just calling themselves a software app, you know, a platform. They're not a right. transportation company, and therefore they have no responsibility of what happens with their drivers and what happens with, you know, what goes on in those in those vehicles and the insurance issues and all of that. And I just call foul uh, on that. And I think it's very similar to what, you know, these larger tech companies uh mainly the social media companies that do have generate a ton of news links on them i don't think that they can divorce themselves from any responsibility uh when it comes to the policing i really don't
1: yeah and especially because uh they have algorithms in there that amplify certain stories right Mm -hmm. so they are not purely neutral they they are amplifying certain things and they're choosing what to amplify based on engagement and i think that really gets to the heart of the matter here. And I think some of the things that really should get talked about moving forward is, you know, around something like misinformation. Um, You know, we've always Mm -hmm. had this example of like, okay, we've got free speech, but that doesn't mean that you can yell fire in a crowded theater. You know, that is not protected by free speech. So when it comes to these tech companies, these social media, these platforms, um, if they are not in a position to, um, restrict anyone from saying certain things, or, or maybe there are certain restrictions that they would want to put in place, but they they want to try to give everyone a voice, you know, in, in a reasonable way, but then they still have some choice in how they amplify things. And when we're talking about scale here, you know, this is one of the big lessons of technology over the past decade is what happens when you are reaching millions or billions of people at a time rather than some of these things that we've had in the past that have been restricted by geography uh, or or other mechanisms. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, it's it's this amplification thing. And so I think they really have to grapple with how are we amplifying messages? And, and are we amplifying things that have been, you know, fact-checked, whatever? I mean, I think that begins to tilt them a little bit more back towards some of the responsibility that like a newspaper or a media outlet would take on to do some of the fact-checking in their reporting or, or whatever else. Now, again, you know, how does that happen at scale? It's not going to look the same, but I think some of those principles start to hold true.
0: I think they need to. Um, how it happens from a logistical standpoint, I don't know. You know, fact-checking, you know, The New Yorker um, is famously strict, and um, and yet that's a self-contained, you know, um, published magazine and online every week. To fact-check everything that you're going to see it potentially published on a Facebook um that isn't yours, so you're not the source material, um, and you're relying on the source person um, to have, you know, the source material to have done the fact checking themselves. It gets really difficult, you know. So I don't know that I can call upon Facebook to do all of that, but there has to be some gatekeeper and some way to gatekeep. And and your point about amplification is a very good one because. Uh, who gets to decide what we're going to blow up and what we're not going to blow up in terms of uh, the most coverage and 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 spread out there And one of the sad things that's happened is we have non-journalists, you know influencers, people on uh, you know things that go viral that then influence, what journalists decide to cover because it goes back to the business model that you just discussed. So, you know, a journalist will then have to be or forced to follow a story that's going, blowing up on Facebook, whether it is a legit, something that we really should be paying attention to, um, but they'll follow it anyway because it's gonna drive ad dollars and ad revenue. And it's a sick little cycle that goes on that completely um, deflates real objective, important journalism from happening.
1: How do you feel about the the speed of all this? I think you mentioned that you know close to the beginning here and I think that's something that's been very affected and you were you were just alluding to it a little bit there. There's kind of the need to stay on top of any breaking news and the fact that this stuff can break you know instantly and then if you're if you're a media outlet you want to be on top of it but if you're trying to be on top of it in the moment uh, that obviously kind of takes away the ability to dig into the details, uh, maybe you know, hear both sides of the story. You know, the types of things that would have gone into a, a well-researched journalistic piece, uh, and and still you know might, but there's they're completely different worlds, aren't they? Like you know, staying on top of the breaking news versus doing uh, an, an in-depth piece to really explore uh, the issues.
0: Yeah, I, the, one of the positives I'd say about tech and journalism is the speed in terms of breaking news. So the ability, you don't have to wait until the seven o'clock news comes on at night to find out what happened during the day. You don't have to wait until your morning paper comes to find out about some cataclysmic event. Um, you can find out instantaneously. So I do think that it's been an amazing conduit for breaking news. Um, there is, you know, you could also argue there's a downside to the 24 24 uh, seven news cycle that you know somebody like a CNN has to continually um, repurpose news all day long, and if you watch it as much as I do, you see the same stories over and over again. But, um, but I think for a breaking news perspective, uh, technology has been good, and it's a way to. I mean, I remember when Twitter first came out, and you know, I'm not a big Twitter user at all, but when it was first when it first came out, it was an amazing way for. Um, us to learn about you know something an insurrection that was going on in you know the Middle East you know things that were taking place across the world in in, in instant time and I, I found that to be fascinating and a good way to transport news. Now to your point about long form you know investigative journalism, uh, tech really isn't all that great for that. I mean you need to pull you need to still have a lot of like even the New York Times they've, they've they're a wonderful paper I love them but you know they've had to pull investigative teams off because the budget isn't there for them. They have to place a lot of their bets on what they're going to get hits on online. And it's it's sad. And and so you see organizations now, media organizations that don't have any international staff whatsoever. Um, pretty much the New York Times, maybe the Journal, you know, The Economist, obviously, and then the wire services like AP and UPI, they still have reporters who are actually stationed all over overseas. Otherwise, you know where everyone's getting their news from overseas? The internet. And 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 that could be a dangerous thing. Um, so I think um, I can argue both sides of the coin. I tend to, you know, really lament the loss of serious long-term, you know, long-form journalism. Um, people's attention spans, another thing, the technology has ruined. Um, you know, they want to, they want to read their news in little snippets and they're no longer patient enough to sit through a long story that was well-reported with multiple sources that it's gonna get very granular. Um, people today, I mean, I, I would I say our kids, we talk about our kids a lot, you know, are they sitting down reading long form anything? mm not mine. Yeah. So, you know, um, and I think that that technology has eroded things in that particular um, bucket
1: yeah yeah so that's that's kind of the last piece of it when you mentioned your kids there it's like the the consumers of this and and turning into the market you know what is the market going to drive for this and i think you know you and i could talk about our news reading habits and i think they'd be very different and we could pull in you know our kids and they would be very different and you know everyone's different and how does it um turn out in the aggregate right so there there are a lot of interesting things going on where I think that a lot of people that are looking at you know the news in a thoughtful way have realized some of these things I think they've realized well you know, maybe I'm not getting the full story if I just, you know, read the the very first tweet that comes out every single time. Uh, maybe I've got a few places that I do want to support. Maybe I've got a few specific writers that I really want to follow. Yeah. Um, and, you know, maybe those writers end up going over to a sub stack or something like that and, and doing a newsletter. And then that changes the economics for these these outlets. But I, I think the consumers and the consumer side of it um, is, is still kind of Getting shaken out here, and and everyone's kind of, you know, coming off of the you know the the speed and and the high from you know the past decade maybe, and and dealing with this huge fire hose of information, Ooh. and now recognizing, okay, maybe this wasn't the best. Maybe I need to make a tweak here, and all of those small individual tweaks will add up to something over time. And I don't think, I, I know exactly what that is, but I, I do feel like it's changing a little bit and it's not it's not as simplistic to just say, okay, well, all of us are just getting our news from Twitter now.
0: Yeah, no, I I think you're right. I don't think we're all, we've all fallen down that rabbit hole. I don't think everybody has, but I think a significant portion of, of uh, folks who do consume media have. And I do think there's a significant portion of folks who don't understand the difference between real journalism and the everyday person who just decides to post something. And I think I wanted to make this last point for me at least, as I think one of the worst thing, this, things that happened with the internet um, and journalism is it became a platform for everybody to think they're a writer and everybody to think that they're a journalist and um, and you know, there are professional journalists out there who are you know trained and, and this is what they do. And the line got really blurred. Anyone who thought they could just spit whatever they wanted to say out onto the page was started to get taken as seriously as somebody who um, was you know a real journalist and and you know you know, the average person may not know the difference. and that gets that's gets scary. That's when you get into the misinformation. Uh, where you get into a situation where somebody writes something that has absolutely no, you know, no fact checking at all. It's more opinion. So we've gotten a ton more opinion type journalism that really isn't news reporting. And that's proliferated all over the internet. And so for the average reader, um, I think sometimes they can't tell the difference. And that was, that's become one of the, I think the downfalls of, of having this uh, technology platform enable anyone who wants to write something to write something. And not yeah. trying to stymie free just free free speech, you know that. But you know, but there is a there is there is a difference between you know spitting your thoughts out um, in what seems like an authoritative way and actually doing a real news report.
1: Yeah, I, I know that's been a, a soapbox for you for a while now, and I think it's yeah. a good one. I think it's it's valid. Um, and and I think that you know, getting back to the consumers, I think people are learning that. I think they're starting to figure out what some of these nuances are, and I, I think everyone's getting smarter on this stuff uh, you know going back to the beginning with with the legislation I you know I think the good part of that is th- that that people want to try to understand this and they, they want to try to um, create a situation that is equitable um, this particular one you know might not have been the the, the model to use and, and it'll just be interesting to see what happens going forward but I think people are, learning about what's happening and, and what's happened over the past 10 years. And they're beginning to make those adjustments. And I, I don't think it's anything that's gonna be solved by a single law or or overnight. Uh, it's gonna take some time. Um, and it's really interesting to watch where it goes. So No,
0: I agree. I think this is a definitely um, a, an evolution. Right now, we haven't hit an end point at all. And we'll see yeah. where things go. It's been a weird year you know, with the pandemic and all. And um, I think people have had some time to reflect on how they consume news. Um, how they deal with social media, all of that. Uh, so I see as we emerge from from this. Fingers crossed. Um, I, I think we're going to see we're going to continue to see the forces of technology and journalism and how they intersect is just going to continue to evolve.
1: I agree. Well, um, thanks for the conversation. I knew this would be a good one. I knew that uh, I'd, I'd learned something from hearing you talk about it. So uh, <laughs>
0: yeah, yes, yes, yes. So yeah, it was good to talk. Um, I'm excited cause I'm off to get my, uh, vaccination next oh. Wednesday. I know I'm in the old class, so I get to go next Wednesday for my first shot. So I'm super psyched.
1: Yeah. Well that, uh, <laughs> like, like with the, the warmer weather that really is going to start. Changing. I know it's
0: like a, a, a April bonus for me. So excited. <laughs>
1: <laughs> All right, my friend. Well, uh, thanks again for the conversation and right. uh, I'll talk to you soon.
0: All right. Till next time.